0: This is the Ridiculous Ashes podcast. I'm Dan Libke. With me is Alex Burden. Hello. We're covering historical Ashes series to find out which nation is the more ridiculous at cricket, England or Australia. And the series we've been covering this time around is the 2013-14 Ashes, which is just about to draw to a conclusion.
1: Okay. The the way it works is uh, I nominate England's most ridiculous moments from each test match. Uh, and Dan nominates Australia's most ridiculous moments from each test match, and then we pick out our top three and give them three, two, one points to see who won the ridiculous Test. Uh, England have actually already secured the ridiculous Ashes as <laughs> three-one up, three-one up uh, with uh, this final Test to play. Uh, the fourth Test match. Uh, was that they won that largely through the 3-2-1 nonsense dismissals in their first innings, Uh, three ridiculous dismissals, the finest of which was Monty Panesar leaving a ball that could not have missed his stumps by (laughs) any sort of geometry or freakishness of physics. There was no way it was missing his stumps, but he left it anyway. Uh, Two points was for Nathan Coulter-Now's acrobatic fielding on the boundary that resulted in him hurling the ball behind his back for six. Um, But then the clincher was Graham Swan, Retiring before the match and everyone being very, very angry about it for quite a long time. Probably still, probably still now. Uh, so what happened in the, uh, in the fifth Test match then, uh, the Sydney Test done?
0: All right, the Sydney Test. Australia was sent into bat and they reached 326. They recovered from 5 for 97 uh, thanks to a century partnership between Brad Haddon and uh, Centurion Steve Smith. Uh, ben Stokes actually took his maiden five wicket haul in Test cricket during this innings. He finished with 6 for 99. Uh, in reply, England collapsed to 5 for 23 before they had a little bit of a mini recovery to reach 155. Thanks to Stuart Broad, who scored. Uh, 30 from 22 balls, and he saw his side pass the follow-on target. Australia then kind of just went on a bit of a clattering spree. They they raced to 276 in 61 overs, anchored by a century from Chris Rogers, which meant England needed 448 for victory. Instead, they were bowled out for 166 to give Australia a 5-0 clean sweep of the series. All right, so I think I'll start uh, these nominations if that's okay. Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to start with uh, Australia selecting an unchanged team for the entire series. Oh ah, yeah, as Australia had eleven players. In fact, they had a the same twelfth man for each match as well. So they they had an unchanged twelve for the entire series, but an unchanged eleven on the field. Um, which, in a sense, you don't think that's completely ridiculous, considering it's a five nil win. Teams tend not to change winning sides that that often. But in in itself, the five nil win is is very ridiculous this is not a side that should be winning five nil they, they've just lost a series three nil two and, and and with essentially the same side um the batters did essentially nothing as i mentioned in the in the previous uh previous match the the, the average score at the loss of the fifth wicket for australia was 142 uh, that, that's that's not the foundation of a clean sweep uh in particular, George Bailey was carried along for the final couple of tests pretty much so they could just say they stuck with the same team throughout. I don't think he was there for any other reason. He was, he was not uh, pulling his weight in any sense. Except for that
1: one over. He, yes. did, he did write that one over.
0: Yes, he did. Uh, he was dropped for the next series against South Africa, which meant he finished with a, a 5-0 uh, career in test cricket, which is very good. Uh, in fact, I, I crunched some numbers and there, there are a handful of cricketers who have a 100% win record for a test career of five matches Or more. Uh, Three of them have five. That's uh, Bailey, Ken Archer, uh, who was an Australian off spinner in the 1950s, and Lord Hawke, who is a fantastically named English cricketer of the 1890s. Uh, then there's also Kyle Jamison, the New Zealand fast, medium bowler, who has six at the time we recorded this before uh, recent results removed him from the list. And then uh, there's the Bradman of win-loss ratios. That's the magnificent Eldine Baptiste of the 1980s West Indies, who has 10, 10 wins, zero draws, zero losses, zero ties. Uh, that, well played, that's, I, I think that's impossible to beat. Uh, but uh, George Bailey got halfway there. And, and and I guess the the other kind of you know ridiculous aspect of this uh, 5-0 unchanged team was that Ryan Harris survived an entire series uh, <laughs> with, without further knee damage that ruled him out of a match, and, and that's kind of a minor miracle. I, I think that uh, the, the 12th man, James Faulkner, must have been very surprised that he was stuck with dozen earring duties for all the five <laughs> tests.
1: I was about to ask who was 12th man for all those uh, all those tests because I, I obviously have no recollection of it. James no. Faulkner. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I said earlier in this series that there were a funny sort of, there were funny sort of side. The top-order batting was pretty ineffectual. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, Ryan Harris, you would only ever consider a sort of temporary part-time fill-in bowler, despite his quality, like probably the best bowler on either side. But uh, in terms of his, his physique, uh, it, you wouldn't really sort of bank on him playing more than two or three tests in a five-test series ordinarily. Yep. Um, Yeah, there were a whole load of oddities, so to actually stick with them for for five tests was quite something. if I can uh, give a, uh, a counter nomination to <laughs> yep. Australia selecting an unchanged team, I would like to nominate England selecting a changed team. <laughs> <laughs> yes. As they so often seem to do in the fifth test of uh, series. But I feel like this was a particularly fine example of picking a changed team. They they gave test debuts to three players, uh, Gary Ballance, Scott Borthwick and Boyd Rankin. Uh, of these, Boyd Rankin was also playing his final test, as it turned <laughs> out, although he did play another one against them right. uh, not so long ago. Um and I would say the odds are currently against uh, Scott Borfolk playing another, certainly as a leg spinner. He's currently uh, <laughs> playing as a batsman for Durham. It did go particularly well for them, it has to be said. Uh, Boyd Rankin went off with cramp twice on day one, so that was a, an excellent start.
0: Uh, I I always thought of Boyd Rankin as, as a rancor from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> um, and that, that, that was mostly just based on his name, but but he wasn't entirely physically dissimilar. He's got the, kind of this huge hulking creature. Um, but, yeah, I'm not quite sure how he got cramped twice on, on the first day that he uh, that he played Test cricket,
1: yeah, I think it was only only alongside uh, Chris Tremlett, who looked even more like a rancor. Yes, with his yeah, yeah, he had the mouth for it. You could see him crushing uh, crushing <laughs> a steel gate with that, that, those jaws. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think he got cramped twice on day one because he'd basically not been playing cricket for quite a long time. He'd played a couple of the warm-up matches, and then he'd just been sat around watching England get hammered for the rest of the time, um, and possibly getting hammered himself. I don't, I don't know how he felt yeah. this time. <laughs> um, Bothwick had a pretty uh, ordinary match as well. He returned one for 49 off seven overs in the first innings <laughs> and three for 33 off six in the second. And he made one run and four runs. Um, right. He'd been called up when Graham Swan went home, when, when Graham Swan had retired. And he'd been playing great cricket, including one match alongside Brad Haddon. <laughs> Uh Borthwick Bothwick said that Haddon was a good fella, and Haddon said that Borthwick would be monstered when he played <laughs> against him. So I don't know what their relationship was like.
0: That's a that's a that's a perfect Haddon response, I think. I I, I, <laughs> I expect nothing less from Brad Haddon to, to respond like that to, to a bit of praise from an Englishman. Yeah, uh, i in, in the end, uh, Bothwick did get uh two wickets with the full toss in the in the second innings. He did get Haddon out, he lobbed a full toss to Haddon who managed to just hit it to a hit it to a fielder, and he also got Ryan Harris with a full toss, so Borthwick had, had had some deliveries up his sleeve.
1: Well, yeah, so there's a disclaimer to that, the three for 33, which is clearly is the biggest contribution for much, three for 33 of six overs, two wickets with full tosses. Yeah. Yep. Yes.
0: Well, uh, I'll, I'll move on to my next nomination, if you like, uh, because it kind of segues nicely from uh, Borthwick into uh, Steve Smith, and in particular, Steve Smith, uh, Steve Smith's baggy, baggy green. Um <laughs> because smith uh took took a bit of a liking to to poor old borthwick he i i think he recognized he was like looking in a mirror he recognized the leg spin filth of, of borthwick and said <laughs> i i know how this works this is rubbish i'm just gonna hammer this everywhere and that's pretty much what he did he uh he brought up his century with a six and a four from borthwick in the one over and the the latter was from a rank full toss which he just clobbered into the outfield for the wicket
1: taking delivery ordinarily
0: yes. but uh... yeah the, uh smith smith failed to fall for that trap um, um, and for the most part, like a little bit of hindsight corner here, we, we started to see the the, the ridiculous shots uh, of, of Smith that we know now, where he just kind of jumps at the ball outside off stump and somehow plays these bizarre shots to the boundary. Prior prior to this innings, he'd he mostly looked like a, a normal earthling creature. He'd uh, <laughs> he, he'd batted well, but not not in a kind of over the top ridiculous fashion. This this was far more in the in the eccentric fashion that we, we've come to know from Steve Smith. Yeah, it was also his third hundred against England in six matches. Which, uh, again, in hindsight, corner that this this may be establishing an ominous trend for England uh, in terms of Steve Smith.
1: Well, that's I mean that's quite that's a career for plenty of people. Three hundreds <laughs> yeah. uh, in Ashes tests is yep. uh, is quite the record, really. So at this point, we're we're saying he's barely even established. We don't yep. we don't really. Like... <laughs> Lots of things are becoming familiar to us, and uh, he's already made three test uh, hundreds against England.
0: Yeah, but I, I was more startled to see a post-match interview where he is wearing a baggy green cap, and it was at least three sizes too big for him. It, it, it was it was a massive thing. It was uh, yeah, basically falling onto the front of his face. So I, I've called that uh, Steve Smith's baggy baggy green, and uh, that, that's my nomination. <laughs>
1: yeah i haven't seen it i can only sort of imagine was it over his ears was it was was it just that it was it wouldn't stay on his head or was it actually just sort of enveloping him was he i
0: i i I think i mean we later discovered that uh both um I think Cameron Bancroft famously had a heavy head uh, that uh, Western Australia had somehow weighed, and and Mitch Marsh. So maybe he had uh, Mitch Marsh's baggy. I'm not sure either of those players had a baggy green at this stage. Cameron Bancroft certainly didn't. So, but he must have borrowed it off somebody because it looked it's just monstrously big. Maybe maybe they thought he would grow into it. I'm not I'm not quite sure what was going on there.
1: Unless he was suffering such acute dehydration that he was he was actually physically shriveling and even his even his skull was retracting and uh, his his hat, his hat was uh, maintaining its uh, size. He,
0: he does he does have a smaller than average head, I believe, because I, I, I vividly recall there was a photo uh, of him and Darren Lehman after they won the Ashes one time as captain and coach. And, I mean, Darren Lehman has a massive head.
1: Well, I was about to say, I'm not sure you've made a made a comparison error there, so it might just be contextual.
0: But, but in in this photo that I, I can still picture, it, like Lehman's head looks like twice as big as, as Smith's, so I think it's a case of Lehman having a massive head and Smith having a, a very small head. And perhaps they just mixed up their baggy greens. Perhaps uh, Lehman brought his baggy green along to wear around uh, at the end of the match. There's
1: a, a famous, well, famous in my circles photograph of um, James Taylor, who used to play yes. for England, unfortunately retired early batting alongside teammate will jefferson and uh, Taylor's about the smallest batsman you're ever likely to find, and Will Jefferson is about the largest giant you're ever <laughs> likely to find. It's just an absolute wonderful contrast of them, sort of dads v. lads kind of cricket. Yeah. yeah, brings that to mind, the head comparison. Right. Can I move on to my next nomination? I'll you any more hats. No, I don't,
0: I don't have any, any further chat on the baggy, baggy green.
1: <laughs> right. We'll move to a different uh, piece of equipment now, because uh, <laughs> my nomination is uh, Mike Carberry's bat so'll I'll talk you through what happened here Ryan Harris is bowling bowls the ball. Mike Carberry defends. Mike Carberry's bat snaps in half. That's, <laughs> that's what happened. And when I say in half, I mean properly in half. So that the bottom bit ended up hanging by the bat sticker. Yes. So how do bats break typically? Either the handle comes off or a chunk comes off the toe. Those are the, the two main ways that bats break, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Um,
1: Mike Carberry's bat snapped in the middle, like square across the blade. It was the weirdest thing you've ever seen. Um as he plays the shot, the bottom half of the bat flaps forwards like it wants to try and hit a six, and the top half did That's how i describe it. <laughs> so, so he was trying uh, to hit a three, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, obviously, the players do that thing where cricketers have to react to something visually, so they have to become sort of mimes, essentially. <laughs> so uh, Carberry and Harris do some sort of comic face acting. Uh, George Bailey wandered in, and he grabbed the bat to have a look at the snap. Uh, Carberry sort of dangles it like a like a fetid dead animal and then he chucks it and does this exaggerated hands on hips uh, dissatisfied thing it was all very very wonderful like the whole reaction to it is like a little bit awkward and pantomime yeah but the the snapping of a bat uh, so squarely across in s- such an innocuous delivery—that's that's my nomination.
0: Yeah, that, I, that, that it's very good. uh, uh I, I particularly like, in commentary you can hear Mark Nicholas uh, greet the moment as he so often does. He's like, "Hello," and and then he <laughs> and then he goes on to add that other than the winning moment of the Ashes, that's the image of the summer. Which I, I know Mark Nicholas likes <laughs> his hyperbole, but I'm not, I'm not not quite sure that's true. <laughs> I, I also liked uh, Brad Haddon's reaction. Action, of course, Brad Haddon. Uh, he what, what he say about Borthwick? He'd monster Borthwick. Um, he also yeah. said he, he uh, piped in. You could hear this on on the stump mic uh, from 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 the match. He, he piped in. He says it's a grey nickels, fellas. He's just got stickers on it. It's not a kookaburra It's just a grey nickels. So Brad Haddon is now sledging bat manufacturers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He's going to be bat loyal. Yes.
0: And, and I guess the other thing I, I like about this one is that Carberry still managed to top score for the innings, which uh, which is very <laughs> impressive with the broken bat. It, it kind of reminded me, uh, Glenn Maxwell actually similarly broke a bat against India uh, uh, a few years later on, on the first ball of the, the second day of a test. And then he went on to make his only test century so far, of course. Um, it's delightful. Yep so yeah so maybe breaking your bat is a, is a key to, to um, batting
1: success it's a, it's and, a good look okay, yeah. across the path yeah
0: and uh, just as a side of course it is criminal that Glenn Maxwell has never played an Ashes Test match and so this is probably the only time he's ever going to be mentioned in this series <laughs> possibly
1: <laughs> we can but dream
0: alright uh, I'll c- go on to my third and final nomination uh, and, and this one only comes to light at, at the en- end of the match and it's uh, or the end of the series really it's the that Nathan Lyon finished the, the series with no average Nathan Lyon was undismissible in this test series He uh, came out to bat on six occasions He scored 60 runs And not once was he dismissed Which which basically meant that If he'd been given the opportunity to bat one more time And scored as few as two runs before being dismissed He would have had an average of 62 Which would have seen him go past Brad Haddon's 61.62 To top the series batting averages for both sides And I put it to you that that is highly ridiculous
1: Yeah, if I was actually slugging off uh, Nathan Lyons' batting aptitude earlier in the series, and now you throw this at me, I think if you dwell on that, that is quite a deeply, a deeply ridiculous moment. A six, I mean, a batting average of 60, I mean, is it, it. he didn't attain a batting average because he didn't bother getting dismissed. But an yeah. average of 60 would, would be more than double what any England player managed in the series, <laughs> apart from Ben Stokes, who was yeah. only I think was 34 or something like that. But everybody else was under 30. So they could have, I don't know, hired Nathan Lyon and borrowed him as a specialist batsman and improved the side. Yeah. <laughs> Right, we'll move on. Should we move on to my final nomination? Yes, which indeed. In a sense, is the biggie, which yeah. I've I've kept my powder dry on this one for a while because um, I could only nominate it once. Mm. It's it's Kevin Peterson not speaking to the England coach, generally falling out with everyone, and then getting sacked despite being excellent at cricket. Yeah, <laughs> which we've we've conspicuously not mentioned throughout this series, despite the fact it has been bubbling away. But we didn't really. Know too much about it until this point. This is where everything suddenly came to a head, and all the stuff that had been happening previously started uh, leaking out. Yes. So, the, the way it happened was that uh, after the series, the ECB, the England Wales Cricket Board, sacked Kevin Peterson. Uh, initially, they said the management team had concluded they were better off without him and that they would be providing no further details, <laughs> which I thought element <laughs> of hindsight corner here. I don't you know, even corner. know if hindsight corner applies here or whether we felt this at the time. That was a bit optimistic. Yes. Uh, Countless statements and leaks followed, often sort of delayed by legal advice. It was all very <laughs> preposterously overblown. Um, one of the statements famously said that they they weren't happy with the criticism of their decision from people outside cricket. Yes, yeah. Uh, and then a bit of the reasoning did start coming out. They implied it was because he didn't support Alistair Cook, which I think, as we know, is probably fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then leaked documents listed various Peterson crimes. These included taking younger teammates out drinking when they've been told to not go out drinking, mm-hmm. staring out of windows, shaking <laughs> his watch, and whistling after being dismissed. Uh, he's also supposed to have told a physio uh, that if England lost the third test, his knee was really going to be playing up. Um, But the reason why it's being nominated now at the fifth test is uh, because Andy Flower, the coach, apparently didn't speak to Peterson for the whole of this test or the rest of the tour after KP ranted at him following the fourth test. I think he went to his hotel room and gave a mouthful. And uh, these sort of ins and outs of this are all a bit... A bit muddy, but I I think that the players had organized a team meeting because they felt like Andy Flower was maybe oppressing them a bit and holding them back by just being such a harsh Andy Flower taskmaster type. By being Andy Flower. (laughs) By being Andy Flower. They'd reached the limit of what they could sort of bear of uh, Andy Flower. Um, and then uh, I don't know if Kevin Peterson had taken it upon himself to be the sort of spokesperson <laughs> 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 or he'd sort of like he'd taken the minutes at the meeting internally and translated them into like Kevin Peterson's version, version of events. And yeah. he'd headed to Andy Flowers' hotel room and then a document prepared to support the ECB's legal team. After he was sacked, says uh, KP. This is in the as he's in Andy Flower's room. KP stated that Alistair Cook was weak, tactically inept, and Alistair Cook's latest effort to galvanize the team was pathetic. Uh, Mm -hmm. He ranted, saying that Graham Swan is a cunt, the team was shit. (laughs) And having a go, Andy Flower and his coaching. And he said that in order to build team spirit, Andy Flower needed to let the players go and get pissed, especially the younger players. Which seems like a very specific thing after he'd been (laughs) criticised for it. Yeah. Um, And the whole thing just kind of dragged on uh, for 10,000 years. Yes. Um, the main thing that I remember from it is just the ECB afterwards just spending so long like propping up Alistair Cook and talking him up mm. on what a one person and what a, what a wonderful family he had and basically just painting this enormous target on him and hoisting him a lot like the poor guy. Like, I know I'm sure he had, like, a part in it, but just in in saying, no, 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 you're all wrong about him. He's amazing. He's amazing. Just yes. everybody, everybody love Alistair Cook. And everyone's, <laughs> like, pelting him with excrement. And uh, that was basically how it all panned out. But yeah. just not speaking to your main player for the whole match and then immediately sacking him after the test. I mean, for... For a series that's quite a big thing but for this well, obviously just nominating for this test match that was uh i think a pretty big moment
0: it was it was <laughs> i i mean it's the, the whole thing is just clearly clearly absurd it's it's i mean it's, it's kind of i mean it is, it is very sad but it is it is also very ridiculous i i think you know th- there's plenty of blame to go around on everybody but i i, I guess my feeling Kind of, kind of, as a, as an outsider who did, didn't really care that much how England went or how England team politics went, was that I, I kind of figured if you want to coach your captain an in international side, part of the territory comes, you know, with having to deal with people that you know, you may not you know you may not get along with, and you still still have to find some kind of way to integrate them into the team. I I, I think it's very difficult to believe that whatever uh, negatives KP's personality have had have. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> could probably go
1: press continuous on that one.
0: I I, I just don't believe that those negatives c- could possibly be outshining the positives of his actual skill at batting. I mean, he, he still scored the most runs for England in this series, despite yeah, you
1: know, despite not trying for half the time. No, I think he's trying, but uh, there's certainly a, an element of uh, being beyond caring towards the end. Yeah,
0: I mean, and, and j- just as a point of comparison, I, I I kind of I I think you know from an Australian perspective, the the most obvious comparison is about a decade or so earlier, that's when uh, John Buchanan and Steve Waugh, who I think mapped pretty closely to Cook and um, Flower, and that they found some kind of way to coddle Shane Warne's ego sufficiently for him to continue <laughs> on. And, and I, I think that's all, you know, a pretty good mapping. And I, and I guess the major difference, of course, was that, that is the Australian team of that era tended not to go on losing streaks.
1: Yeah, I think uh, constantly <laughs> winning every single series <laughs> yeah. keeps so the team spirits high, whereas the 5-0 annihilation, you know, I think there were a few sort of breaking points. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, in, in retrospect, England's big mistake was probably to lose these tests. Yeah. And I suppose that what they were doing was that in, they'd lost these tests and then reached a point where they were looking ahead and thinking, well, you know, you know, a winning team is always in uh, good spirits. Mm. And they looked, looked ahead and thought, well, we're probably going to carry on losing. So <laughs> <laughs> this, this situation is untenable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I guess you know, just from a, a fan's perspective, that's it, a shame because uh, you know KP was a, a very reliable provider of nonsense. He was just this magnificent strutting purveyor of absurdity, and, and it was cruel to take him away from us.
1: <laughs> he still sort of managed to deliver nonsense from outside the team. He did, I remember yes. a couple of years later, where there was sort of whispers that he might, uh, oh, he, we might be able to bring him back into the team if he comes back and renounces the IPL and plays a couple of county matches, and he, he sort of swandered. And made about 300 in an innings <laughs> but they still didn't pick him it was amazing yeah
0: yeah and I I did like yeah, you know, kind of as, as a as a finale the K, KP's final dismissal was was, was all, all, also a ridiculous moment uh from from fellow last test player uh George Bailey who did this uh <laughs> kind of ridiculous backwards leaping catch from short leg um so yeah uh, that that was farewell to both uh George Bailey and and Kp <laughs> with, with that moment wandering off arm you in know. and it's also Mike Carberry's last test. And, that, you know, we, we've seen throughout this series that he was, he was a player with much comic potential. So yeah. uh, I, I, that's a shame that he, he, he disappeared. And a decent well. amount of cricket
1: potential as yes. well. I said that yeah. in the series. Was, uh, they, they, they off, England often did this with players where they would give somebody a go in the Ashes yep. or and an away Ashes in particular. Yes. I think they did the same with Chris Reid for a few tests. And they maybe didn't, you know, have an amazing time in this absolute crucible and uh, then they would uh, sort of like cast them adrift after that because they'd they'd failed. Whereas you, other players would get sort of a few good years of uh, warming up to a big away Ashes series, and yeah. uh, they would a sort of longer rope afterwards. I think Carberry was treated pretty badly. Yeah.
0: All right, are we done with KP? Are we? Are we like uh, Alistair Cook and Andy
1: Flower? We're done with KP. We're just done with him. Yep, we're done with him. Um, let's 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 move on to uh, some lighter lighter moments. Yes. Maybe some things that we feel didn't make the cut.
0: Uh, I I was kind of tickled that uh, Michael Clarke uh, was so close to being able to declare and set England 500 again as he did in the first three tests, but uh, Australia carelessly were bowled out for 448, so he, he didn't get the opportunity to be ridiculous. So that, that that's why that wasn't nominated. Um,
1: yeah, England. Well, England's collapsing. Is I almost can't believe that I didn't. I always like to nominate an England collapse, and England. You know, like when when, when you're playing for pride. Yep and then you collapsed to 23 for 5 in the first <laughs> innings that is that is an incredible sort of, uh, well I, I, it's hard to take too much pride from that isn't it yes, and
0: yes.
1: then in the second innings their second innings lasted 31.4 overs, so yeah. two collapses in collapse v collapse uh, from England, um, I'm slightly regretting not nominating that
0: well I, I think, uh, I think the, the second innings, uh, as, as Dad I saw which, which kind of tickled me was that England lost their last 7 wickets in 60 60- balls after tea but they also scored 79 runs so they were just having a great old time it's
1: pretty entertaining broad actually minus 72 off 74 balls in this match which when you consider that england like in two innings just about got past 300 is is yep. quite the uh, contribution god bless Stuart broad oh god bless you
0: uh, <laughs> and and, and uh, I, I I guess another minor moment which didn't quite qualify. I I, I like the way that Brad Haddon brought up his uh, inevitable first innings fifty this time. Uh, he he defended one of Stokes' uh, deliveries back down the pitch, and Stokes just kind of let it dribble past him. You know, j- just because he was knackered, and uh, so so <laughs> H- Hadden just took off to scamper through to get his fifty while the ball just kind of dribbled to to mid on. Um, Raced the ball to the other end. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, but the just in general, I mean, th- this is very very much hindsight corner but hindsight the, the, corner. the feeling with England in this test was basically that Ben Stokes did 90% of things and everybody else chipped in a percentage point each um, <laughs> which b- becomes more and more familiar as Ben Stokes' career continues.
1: As, as England performances go this is one of the most ridiculous I think. I've got, I've got even more that I could have nominated. <laughs> yeah, uh, There were a couple of leaves. We had leaves in the previous match so yeah. I didn't nominate this time but second ball of day two Cook was LBW leaving a Harris delivery that I reckon it would have hit me middle halfway up it was one of those leaves so I mean at least like unlike in the previous test it wasn't first ball and he wasn't bold so you know quite that bad Uh, but then a bit later Stokes was bold leaving Siddle which probably hit middle and off. So mm. just, people are just very reluctant to use their cricket bats. Well, maybe they saw Carberry's bat and thought, oh, what's the point? Well, yeah, <laughs> what's the point? <laughs> so gonna, at least I can look after my bat. If I can't look after my stumps, I'll look after yeah. my bat. Is this again somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite moments uh, from the match, which is not really worth the nomination, but um, James Anderson caught Ryan Harris in the first innings and then just volleyed the ball back at the stumps, just kicked the ball back at the stumps with such fury. <laughs> it was... <laughs> And I think in the was it the previous match when uh, he went for 28 uh, off uh, George Bailey, him for 20, no, that,
0: that, that was the third test.
1: Sorry. That was the third test. Yeah. He, um, and he didn't really react, <laughs> but I don't know if he just sort of like just poured it all inside himself. Cause it definitely gave the impression that by this point, whatever happened, he was just furious. He was just like trapped in perpetual fury where he even took a catch and he was just enraged about it and yep. kicking the ball at stumps. Yes. Um, And then another of my, this is my final uh, thing I want to mention, one of my favourite moments of commentary. Uh, And I've already mentioned this to you, just uh, to give a view behind the curtain. But I asked you who said (laughs) I'd had in here four, and the entire commentary is just bash. That's the entire commentary. And I asked you who that was and who was that.
0: And and my response was, that's fucking Brayshaw. (laughs) Yeah, so James Brayshaw. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's he's the master of onomatopoeia.
1: <laughs> I just what I love most about this is that as an Eng, as an England fan, we don't have really very little or any exposure to James Brayshaw, but I, I hear about him a lot. So I have this sort of secondhand notion of what he is, and then uh, to sort of pick out one single word of commentary and, and for you to uh, react like that, it really amused me. Yeah. Oh, very good.
0: All right, so we're going to go to the votes now?
1: Uh, yes let's get in it and uh, I'm feeling pretty confident
0: I, I'm very scared of the votes here because <laughs> there's some spectacular English nonsense uh, nonsense here and I'm not sure anything Australia's put up can match it
1: um. well let's I mean there's some really good stuff all around I, I, I feel like my strongest nomination and it's not the most entertaining to me to be honest and I, I actually don't really enjoy talking about it but Kevin Peterson not not being involved falling out with everybody your best player falling out with everybody not speaking to anybody and then the team saying let's not have our best player in the team our best bats in the team is that's world-class ridiculousness isn't it
0: yeah 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 no i i don't really enjoy talking about it either but it's uh yeah it's uh it's got to be a three-pointer it's uh it's it's right up there
1: I mean, the waves of that ridiculous can still be felt now. Yes. They're not even ripples that you yep. still sort of cascade past you every now and again during the summer. Yep. We never know who KP's going to be on commentary with. It's all very <laughs> exciting. <laughs> and then at the opposite end of the spectrum, I think Mike Carberry's bat is just a trivial, silly moment. I think that's spectacular. You, will, y-
0: you, may, you may call it a trivial, silly moment, but uh, Mark Nicholas declared it the, the uh, <laughs> second most uh, important moment of the series. So I, I think it's got to be right up there so 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 somewhere between those two is is the truth i think and i suspect it may be closer to to your analysis of the moment i prefer the carbon
1: moment greatly but i think the kp moment's the bigger more ridiculous yeah
0: and sadly i don't think i've got anything that topped that i I think my most ridiculous moment and and again it's really only a statistical moment it's nathan Lyon essentially topping the batting average for for both teams and i think that's very (laughs) ridiculous but uh W- yeah. whether it's more ridiculous uh, it's certainly not more ridiculous than kp or carberry's bat which are both just monumentally nonsensical.
1: i feel like i need to sort of sit for a minute and dwell on the nathan lyon uh, <laughs> the start is one that, i mean it is one of those freaky stats that cricket throws up where it's yeah like, it's a slow burner where it snuck up on you well, at yeah. no point has nathan lyon played any kind of innings but at no point has nathan lyon ever been defeated either so he's, <laughs> he's kind of Wrapped up on the rails there. Yeah. Um. The I mean, the other big ones are the the our respective team selections. I, mm. I think it's I think it's pretty incredible Australia picked the same team. Yeah. As you said, having Ryan Harrison alone is quite a freakish <laughs> thing. Poor um, right. Yeah. But I, you know, Eng- England's team selection. They they had three debutants. And as far as we can tell, two of them played their final tests.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, their final test for England, right? Uh... Sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry,
1: yeah, that's entirely true. Yes, um...
0: uh, but it, it, in itself, that, that's kind of ridiculous as well. Um... Uh, to, to be honest, I, I, I think all fight has been taken from me here. I, I, I think this, this, is, this is an innings victory for England. I, I think I, I'll, I'll let you have all three three moments for this because I, I just uh, I, Australia have been swept away. This, is, this has been an absolute drubbing of a series. Uh, yeah,
1: like I say, I regret not nominating the batting collapses in a way which were kind of part and parcel of all. Um, the sort of dueling batting collapses, playing for pride, and then to collapse twice yeah. in such a spectacular fashion—it was really, uh, yeah, yeah it, it was it was England's test. I feel I feel like we should acknowledge that it was England's test.
0: Absolutely, England's test. I mean, Australia. I mean, Australia had a lot of hope after the first test of this series, where they they you know won the test and won the won the ridiculous test as well, which which is we've seen is a difficult thing to do. But uh this was from pretty much that point on. They had, they just had no answer to England, and I. And I think that kind of culminates here i i, I went through what australia were doing ridiculous wise and you know i've got steve smith wearing a slightly too big cap so that's <laughs> that, 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 that's it <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, England. I mean, cricketers talk about momentum all the time. Yes. This—that's the story of this series, isn't it? It's England. You know, a little bit of a, a shaky start, uh, losing <laughs> the first test. But uh, by this point, I mean, if the—if this had been like the nineteen ninety-seven ashes and there'd been a sixth test, yes, I can't imagine what would have happened. I don't know who would be. I don't think they would have been able to play out an eleven for a no. start. I think down to eight or nine players. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it would have been quite something to see But uh, I'm glad it didn't happen
0: Yes, well, so congratulations to England uh, a 4-1, uh, Ridiculous Ashes win Not not quite the clean sweep, but uh, next best thing, surely
1: Yeah, I think I'm happy with that I feel like uh, they're <laughs> you, giving you, a good account of themselves
0: Yeah, salvage something <laughs> from a, a series That a lot of England fans would otherwise not choose to revisit <laughs> All right, well, thank, thank you for listening to, to our coverage of the 2013-14 Ridiculous Ashes. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. You can check out Alex's website. That's kingcricket.co.uk. You can check out mine. I'm at leapcricket.com or you can follow us. Or, and or you can follow us. You can follow all three of us on Twitter. You can follow The King's Tweets. That's Alex. Lieb Cricket, that's me. And if you want some you know hybrid blending of the two of us that deals mostly <laughs> in just this soul podcast, you can also follow uh, Ridiculous Ashes. And uh, we will record a new series... Soonish, the, the The best way for you to get that series when it drops is uh, to subscribe to the podcast, of course, and, and you'll get that next series. And we don't know what it is yet, but you'll get it as soon as it comes out, and you, then you can avoid uh, spoilers. So, again, thank you for listening and we will see you next series. See
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.